Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Locked On Heat. On today's show, Joel Embiid leads the Jimmy Butlerless Sixers to a win in Miami with 38 points and 18 rebounds as the Heat continue to struggle. It's the Heat's third loss in a row, and with two teams in playoff positioning coming up, how can the team turn things around? Thank you so much for listening and for subscribing. Now let's get to the show. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, the only podcast that breaks down every Heat game, news item, rumor, and more. My name is Wes Goldberg, and I'm here in the digital studio, as we like to call it, with David Ramil. Um, and we're going to talk today about what went right and what went wrong in that game between Miami and Philadelphia, and then get to your Twitter questions as well. But the Miami Heat lost to the Sixers 124-114. to in what can only be described as a bad loss. Philadelphia hasn't gotten Butler yet after the trade, and they were without two of the starters in Robert Covington and Dario Sarge that they sent out uh, to Minnesota. So, so there really wasn't... I, we both thought going into this game in our Guess the Record line or, or segment that this would be the one game this week where the Heat won, not because the Sixers were bad, but just because they were shorthanded. Well, they gave up 35 points to Embiid, uh, which is going to happen, but you can't give up 25 points to J.J. Redick, and you certainly can't give up 29 combined points to Mike Muscala and Furkan Korkmans. Um, I butchered that name. <laughs> the Heat are, and he butchered the Heat. The Heat are 5-8. and eight. Uh, They've dropped three in a row. Uh, they've dropped six of the last eight games, David. is Do you see any way that the Heat can turn this thing around? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, look, it's not as dire it's just really ugly right now. I think you still have to look at the fact that there have been players in and out of the lineup, and I know we're all used to that. Injuries happen with this team, with the kind of players that we have, and with the way the franchise approaches injuries. So I don't know that that's you know anything out of the ordinary, but at the same time, it hasn't been good. It has been pretty. Uh, you know, I've gotten to the point. I've been. I think as optimistic or positive a Heat fan as there have been, and I'm still starting to see that this is very, very negative, and not necessarily bleak, but it's not good. This team does not play well. They shrink under the challenge of facing a good team. Um, They've had some nice wins, but looking back, you look at the, the fact that they knocked off a very good Portland team, and you wonder how that happened. Because, to be honest with you, this team has not had any kind of real signature win since then. Uh, and, and as far as whether or not they can come back at some point in the season, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you expect that with this much talent, whether it's not you know it's not superstar level talent, but it's good enough across the board where they can find that kind of continuity that we had expected this team to have, where they can you know replicate some of the things that we've seen over the last couple of seasons, where they're playing much more efficiently and effectively. And, and you know the fact that it hasn't happened just yet, depressing for some fans, but at the same time, I don't think it's indicative of how they can be later on this season. Um, look, I, I want to believe that the Heat can turn this thing around, but it's, what does turning it around look like? Not dropping six of eight? Yeah, okay, so they're not going to do that. They're not going to lose three straight, you know, they're not going to basically lose the rest of the season. They're going to be a 500 team. And to me, if that's turning it around, which at this point, being five and eight, yeah, that would be turning it around a little bit. But, um, I look at who the Heat are missing, you mm-hmm. know, and, and Dion Waiters and James Johnson specifically, and then I look at where you know, where the Heat are struggling, right? And they're struggling with turnovers. They're struggling at, with finishing at the rim. They're struggling with consistent defense. 
Dion Waiters doesn't help any of those things. Huh. Like Dion Waiters isn't going to help when he gets back. James Johnson is going to help. I do think James Johnson helps you defensively. He he brings more balance to that front court. I think as far as his ability to play next to Hassan Whiteside, yeah. um, where the Olenek Whiteside pairing has been pretty clunky. And then you know you could and, and just gives you another option there as far as defending other kinds of teams, other kind of uh, matchups where where Olenek can't really. D- play in all matchups. Whiteside can't really play at the end of every single game against uh, some some of these smaller, more switchy teams. And James Johnson gives you an option there. But then again, like James Johnson's not going to... Like, James Johnson's a fine player. We all like James Johnson, but he's not the difference between, you know, being in the playoffs and not really... And not being in the playoffs necessarily. Like, if if basically we're saying, well, everything will turn around once we get James Johnson is uh, back, well, then I think we're in a real... Tough spot because if you're if you're saying that, then things don't look great for you if you're the Heat. So I mean, I guess it all depends on what you consider turning things around. You know, whether it's to reach their potential, whether it's to exceed that well, let's potential. Start, that, let's start with this then, because Pat Riley last last week at uh, um, a community event uh, basically was asked by reporters what he thinks of this team. He says they're average, and for after three years, you'd think they'd be above average at least. But this is an average team. So I think turning it around, I, I think, would be, okay, be better than you were last year. I think improving this team. Like, is there a path to improving? Because we thought going into the season that the continuity, the internal development would be something that could get the Heat, uh, you know, into that, you know, maybe six seed in the East, we were thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people had this team as a top five or even a top four team in the East just yes. based on the continuity. And that's just not the case. And this is a 500 team. And... This is not a matter of small sample size. This has been a 500 team for the last three years. This is, that's, that's what this team is. You know, you, you mentioned something there as far as uh, trying to improve and build on the success of last season, the year before that. And they have to wonder, and it's not like I'm trying to add fuel or anything to, to a fire that's been going on for sem- several years. But if this were any other team, any other front office, don't you think Eric Spolstrup would be on the hot seat? No, I think that the GM would be on the hot seat. I think that Pat Riley would be on the hot seat. Maybe. I think the person in charge of the basketball decision, Eric Spolstra, is doing the most he can with this roster. I think he's actually doing a phenomenal job. The fact that he's even got this team in somewhat contention, that he got this team into the playoffs last year, said it, basically that's like that's like a Super Bowl ring in the NFL. Like You know how like coaches who win a sure. Super Bowl, yeah. like they ride a hot quarterback, win a Super Bowl, they have jobs for life? Like that, Eric Spolstra taking this team to the playoffs last year, He's got a job for life. I, I think he's doing a phenomenal job. I don't know about that. I mean, you, you look around the landscape of the league and you see how coaches are so easily dismissed. And so, I mean, whether right or wrong, that's not either the point. Whether, you know, that they're seen as responsible oh, I see for the on-court product. And you look at this team and, and you just pointed to something very specific, which was that this team is not improving, hasn't shown improvement. And you can look at injuries and you can look at overall executive decisions that Riley has made. But at the same time, taking the players that he's had and not getting the most out of them, you have to wonder whether or not, again, if this he was He is getting the most out of them. You think there's more to get out of Deion Waiters and James Johnson and Rodney Magruder? You think there's more to get out of those guys? Isn't that what the complaint... Look, again, I love Spolstra. I think you, everybody knows that I like Eric and that I think he's a great coach and everything else. I'm just saying, if this were any other team, you would look at this squad and you would say, why is he playing Olenek certain minutes? Why is he... I will give you... I'll give you this. I will give you this. If this were another team with a weaker front office and uh, on a less smart front office, because I do think they see the great job that... And I don't think you're saying that Eric Spolstra is not doing a good job. I think what you're saying is if this was a Charlotte Hornets, 
Eric Spolstra would be out of a job. Yeah, Steve because, Clifford's a fine coach, and he, he yeah, got and it's yeah. I mean, and he's not as good as Spo, but yeah, he's a fine. It wasn't like his fault what happened in in, in Charlotte necessarily. It's that right. you know the front office makes certain decisions. You have a you have a salary cap, and at some point you can't really make a move outside of that salary cap. And the Heat are very much in that situation. So if you can change anything, you change the coach. Right. Yeah, I see how Spo would be on the hot seat with a less intelligent organization. But I am. This is getting me very frantic. I really hope that we don't end up firing Eric Spolstra. This is this is a nerve-wracking conversation to have because he definitely <laughs> doesn't deserve it. He's the only person that's keeping this thing afloat as far as I'm concerned. Okay. I feel like you disagree a little bit. but I'm not No, sure. I, I don't, you know, neither agree nor disagree. I'm just looking at okay. it from that perspective. You, you look yeah. around, you know, other teams and coaches get fired for much less, I think. And, and Yeah. Thank, you know, God. Thank God for hashtag culture. <laughs> Yeah, I guess there's something to that stability from the front office and everything else. So, and, and Last the, question. The, well, the, the other point then is, you know, let's just be patient. If you know that the front office isn't going to change anything, and you know that Eric Spolster is going to be there entrenched as a team's coach for as long as he wants to be, then you just have to be patient with what you can do. I don't think there are drastic moves to be made. We've already seen how the Butler situation played out. We've we made unrealistic predictions about how the team can make improvements. I've seen some people actually float that acquiring uh, hit, hitchy shot Markel Fultz. Oh, we're get, you're, you're jumping the gun. We're going to get to that later. Oh, Great I didn't tease. even realize it. Okay, there we go. Good tease. Yeah, we're going to talk about that later. But first, let's talk about what went right and what went wrong. We'll do that when we come back. You know, ever since launching the podcast, people have been asking me for advice. And usually, it's what team to bet on this week. And the truth is, I don't know who's going to win But if you think that you know, you've got to check out MyBookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with MyBookie. Trust me, guys. They are the best bet this season. They've been in business for years. They have great reviews online. Their mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. I'd only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to MyBookie. You win. They pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim that bonus and let them know that you came from us. You play, you win, you get paid. We'll get to your Twitter questions later on, but first, it's what went right and what went wrong, David. Um, let me start here, because I think if we can point to anything that went right in that game against the Sixers, it would be that the Heat looked really cool when they lost. Those Vice jerseys are awesome. Oh, and the court perfect, is perfect really, really... There. You, you were complimenting <laughs> me on that. If anybody has not read so... Go and do so right now. Wes, you did a fantastic job investigating the nature of the Vice jerseys, the history, how they came from a theory, an idea, a fan-based concept, and all of a sudden became an actual thing to become really the the hottest-selling jersey in NBA history probably. So this is – you did a phenomenal investigative work there, and I think everybody should go check it out through Fansided. Oh, I appreciate that. And I wasn't actually trying to get you. I wasn't trying yeah, to bait were. you into. Yeah, you were. You no, totally were. I was, no, it's I was okay. actually going to know who you home. are, Wes. You egomaniacal, crazy ass. You know, we, we, we've all come to deal with that kind of personality in the past. <laughs> I was actually going to a much darker place. Uh, oh, I was going to say that the, 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 the Heat 
have lost all three games in which they've worn the, those awesome vice jerseys. <laughs> is this yeah the, is this the, the West Goldberg for, jinx? That's absolutely the case. It's a hundred percent. Do you have any? Do, are you saying that because of how many people on Twitter said that to me? Yes, yes, I am. Okay, all right, yeah, that was it. Did not make me feel great. Um, so. <laughs> I just I just want one of the jerseys. Is that a big deal? Like, and I don't deserve to have one because the Heat. I write a story. The Heat lose three games. Um, are you concerned with the, the fact like they didn't have a good record last year in the Vice jersey? Didn't weren't they like uh, undefeated in the home strong ones too? I mean I don't know. Or yeah, the uglier the, the worse the jersey, the the better they are. Like I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, if there's a correlation. I am. There. I am a little concerned that they can't win in the vice jerseys. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, kind of one of these... I feel like I'm a superstitious person when it comes to this stuff. Yes. When it comes to, like, sports things. Like, I believe in the playoff beard. I believe in all that stuff. Like, wear oh, the yeah. same socks if you've already won a game. Like, don't... Uh, it's got me nervous. I'm concerned. I had, I had during the Big Three run, every year they were going to the finals, I had three different t-shirts for each of the Big Three members... And I would not wash them during the playoffs. I would rotate them. And, you know, come like late June, my wife would look at me and be like, dude, you've got buffalo sauce on your way jersey. You're, you've got to change this, man. And I'm like, no, you can't wash them. And uh, your buffalo wings are for winners. <laughs> I don't know if stains, at some point you come across looking like a buffalo stained homeless man. So I don't know if that's helping the big three or not. But either way, you believe in the, in the integrity of that superstition, so I, I understand where you're coming from. I'm not concerned how how the vice. Wait, wait, is. can I can I just tell you what my big three? Yes, superstition. Okay, yes. so I had uh, I I have still I had and only still have one jersey, sports jersey, and it's a Miami Heat in the red Dwayne Wade jersey. And I'm pretty sure I've mentioned that on the podcast yes. a couple times, but it's been a while. Um, so for new listeners, I have only got that one jersey. It's the only jersey. Now I you're fishing only... for people to buy you jerseys. This is ridiculous, Wes. Come on, <laughs> lay off of hey, it. Jeez. I need a... Everybody's got to have a plan. Um, so, and I wore that with the same uh, beige shorts, the red jersey, and the same um, black undershirt, kind of underneath yes. the jersey, yes. and a Miami Marlins, a bright orange Miami Marlins hat, and I wore that for Oof. every single game. Of the 2012 NBA Finals, every game. Um, I mean, it was what won. six games. I mean, it, <laughs> you make it sound like you wore. That's I mean, a lot I, of games. Hey, That's a lot of nights wearing the same thing. Okay, I wore the same T-shirts during a whole playoff run. I mean, come on, okay, that's, that's like true. two you months. Win. Yeah, that was. Yeah, you know, that was me alone on the couch. Nobody's sitting next to me at that point. You know, come come game seven of the 2013 Were they the jerseys? Finals. Were they the, the t-shirt jerseys? Was it like the Bosch with the big one on the front? Yes. Like it looks like a jersey, but it's a t-shirt? Yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. Yeah, um, well, I don't know about that. I'll, I'll, another admission, <laughs> if we're getting into it now, uh, game six, before the shot, I had taken all three of the. Well, I was wearing, I think I was wearing uh, LeBron and I took my Wade and Bosch shirts and I crumbled them all up and threw them into that, threw them at the hamper because I did not watch the last 40 seconds of game six out of frustration. I thought we were done, to be honest with you. Oh my gosh. And then I came back and he was like, you know what? I've got to go down with the sinking ship. These are my boys. I've got to, this is where my fandom basically died before I became quote unquote media. And then I put on, I put on the shirt I was wearing and I came back and I turned the TV on. And of course, that was right before the shot and everything else. And I was like, and I'm yelling at the top of my lungs in our apartment at the time. Uh, it was pretty good stuff. Pretty good stuff. 
of course, my wife had no idea what was going on. She was like trying to sleep. <laughs> and there I am yelling, throwing shirts around and smelling like a homeless man in the process. But it was worth it because we got the win. Absolutely. Um, look, you don't want to, as far as superstitions goes, and we'll end it here, but uh, if you've got something that's working, you don't want to find out if it's if it's actually working or not. Because if as soon as you ditch whatever's working and the heat lose, it's your fault. And... It's it's you owe it to the rest of Heat Nation basically to wear that Buffalo stained shirt, and 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 it's a sacrifice. Everybody's got a sacrifice to win championships, and so a lot of Febreze, you know. my friend, a lot of Febreze. <laughs> so look in the in the and by the way, send us your your favorite superstitions if you want at Locked On Heat on Twitter. Yes, um, love to hear it. Uh, but as far as what went right and what went wrong, what we were supposed to be talking about, um, other than your Buffalo stained shirts, as far as what went wrong, is there. Let's just let's kind of branch this out, right? Because I'm I'm almost I'm. It's the morning after the 76ers game. I really don't care to talk about it that much more. But the Heat have lost three straight games. What's is there anything going right for this team in these last few games? Like, are you if you're trying to search for a silver lining, is there something you're kind of grasping onto? I can't I can't find anything discernible. Look, full disclosure, I've been less attentive to the Heat over the last few games, being that there's a newborn that's taking a lot more of my attention than uh, Rodney Magruder's stellar play. I mean, maybe that's it. I mean, maybe it's just Magruder playing very well, although he only had six points last night. I, I mean, uh, you know, Goran's been in and out of the lineup, but he's been pretty yeah. consistent, I think. He's still consistently Miami's best player, even though you would think that Josh Richardson should be that guy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I kind of, I'm, I'm happy with I'm happy with what I've seen from Winslow. I think he, you know he's he's it's up and down for him as it is as it always kind of has been. But I like the confidence and the aggressiveness that he's playing with. I you know given that he has missed a bunch of shots at the rim, he still is at least taking the shots and getting to the rim. Um, there's been a few nice kickouts and, and driving kicks that he's been involved in. And I, I even with Dragic in and out of the lineup, I do think that Winslow has been a serviceable point guard for this team. And it's not that uh, the Heat... You know, it's not that the Heat don't need Goran Dragic, but when Justice Winslow's in there, the offense still moves, and it's almost when Dragic and Winslow are both out that the, the offense kind of screeches to a halt there. And yeah. so um, I almost think like if you if you were to hypothetically move on from Goran Dragic, I, I don't know that there would be that much of a gap to fill as long as you got a backup point guard. Right, because I don't think that's a thing that Tyler Johnson or even Dwayne Wade probably should be doing. So if you got like a more natural point guard there, but so I think Winslow is is developing into that that point guard on offense, stretch four on defense, and I think that's where that's the role that he's settling into at least for now until James Johnson comes back. But um, yeah, I think you know that if I'm trying to find something to kind of latch onto, that's what it is. Well, it's something, I guess. I I, I mean. I think that's just where a lot of people are kind of watching this team. They're frustrated. They haven't seen any kind of growth. They've seen the Butler situation not go the way they had expected it to be, and there's no clear plan in sight. I think the team looks somewhat aimless. You wonder what the ceiling is, and even if they reach their potential, something we were talking about in the previous segment, they're probably just a a high 40 wins team uh, and probably a low playoff seed, and and that's where we kind of anticipated them being, I think, for the most part, uh, maybe a slightly better version of this, and they'll probably go through a run where they can win four or five straight games and, you know, kind of teeter back and forth over the course of the season, so I I think we just have to prepare for this. My biggest thing has always been, I've been anti-tank, as you well know. I I haven't wanted to trade any of our veterans, as our listeners know. 
Uh, but to me, one of the things that I, I always appreciate about this team was that they played hard. And you, you kind of saw that in those close games early on. You saw that in a lot of close games last year. And you look at this team now, I don't know that they're playing with that same kind of intensity. There's no kind of urgency. And that's, that's somewhat frustrating, I think, to watch. I think they need a punch in the gut. I think they need something. I think they need somebody just to walk in and set the locker room on fire. I still think James is that guy. You know, I I talked about this in the previous show. I think, you know, a lot like Draymond for Golden State, James is the guy that holds everybody accountable, and I think he's going to be going out there and lighting a fire. And maybe, you know, to your point in the first segment, maybe James isn't the kind of guy that you want to pin your hopes on, but something needs to change. Maybe maybe UD isn't that guy anymore. I don't know. There's only so much a guy that doesn't play can do, right? Um, As great as the locker room presence as he is. Uh, We'll get to your Twitter questions after this break. After every game, we go to Twitter to answer some of your questions you sent in using the hashtag AskLOHeat. This, wor- this first one comes from Greg, who asks, Have you guys talked about Bam's lack of offensive development? I was expecting a bigger role this season. He won't even take wide-open jump shots. Yeah, that, that's you know that's why I was quick to slow everybody's expectations down over the summer, because as much as we've seen potential from Bam Adebayo in his rookie season, we knew there was a glut in that front court, and there was going to be some restrictions for how much Bam could do, and, and there was a lack of polish that I think we saw in his rookie year that we didn't think he was going to immediately overcome. And although there was a lot of buzz uh, at Media Day in particular, I remember a lot of players talking about how Bam had taken a leap. We saw some highlights of him playing against James, Hart, James Harden and Kyrie at the American Airlines Arena, and there was some hope that maybe Bam would take this huge leap and become this stellar all-around player, well, there was only so much playing time you can get to show those. And when he's out there, I I think he's just still uh, gun-shy. I think he's just kind of hesitant to unleash a jumper. We've seen him take it in the past, and it's not like it's a bad-looking shot either. It's not Markel Fultian. At the same time, I just feel like he he's just not comfortable with it, and he's just not, uh, not ready to show off the full offensive game repertoire. I think also that there's... I don't know if it's a subconscious thing, but I think there's a part of this where you look at the guy that he is one day hopefully replacing in Hassan Whiteside Mm -hmm. as this guy who isn't gun-shy whatsoever, who's taking two three-pointers in a game, who is is taking those weird jump push shots from 18 and 19 feet out, and he says, well, if I... I think he's trying to fill a different lane than what Whiteside is doing. So he's almost going... He's almost not aggressive enough, and look, he coaches have talked about them wanting wanting to see more aggressiveness from Bam, especially in getting his own shot. But uh, there is not a whole lot of just pick and roll and lob opportunities for him. Um, It's just the Heat runs so many other things. They're not one of these just standard high pick and roll Houston Rockets type of offenses. There's a lot of these dribble handoffs that Bam is involved with and and other things that are happening there. So I just, I don't think that, you know, where Kelly Olenek has basically got the green light to shoot from three-point range, and Whiteside is basically taking any taking a shot from wherever he's standing whenever he gets the ball. Bam is, I think, trying to find how he's going to score in this offense, and this offense isn't built around him. I think the best offense to put around Bam is one of those high pick and roll spaced out offenses because he's got that crazy vertical and he can finish at the rim uh, so efficiently and then and draw fouls really well. It's an underrated part of his game. The offense isn't built like that, and so when you start to build an offense, if you ever start to build an offense around Bam, I think that's when you start to get that. Uh, offensive development. I just think he uh, should also he should be more comfortable with the pick and pop, so they can kind of free things up. Because at this point, you know, it's either a, a roll to the rim or nothing, and and so yeah. you can kind of double down 
on on the ball handler and that kind of bogs everything down and you either lead to a turnover or he has to throw back out to the perimeter and hope that there's somebody out there to kind of bail him out uh and, and that's problematic you know one of the things that we saw you know chris bosh do so well it's not to say that bam and abaya is on that same level but you know with him being so versatile as a scorer it freed so much of the offense for everybody else and, and that's just something that bam's not capable of yet and unlike Bosch, it's not if if Bam starts shooting up the jacking up those shots, it's not like he's taking shots away from in his prime Dwayne Wade or LeBron James or anything Correct. like that. I mean, who who better else to shoot it? I mean, just yeah. shoot the ball. Um, Sensei on Twitter asks: Figure the Sixers wouldn't give up on him after two seasons, but if you're Miami, do you want to make a move somewhere down the line to acquire Markel Fultz, low risk project, too young and tapped with potential? Oh, so man. getting you you hinted at this you tried to talk about this earlier David Fultz is this I've seen this a lot on Twitter yeah I think it's time for Sensei to go back to the dojo uh, you have much to learn young one because honestly no Markel Fultz is I, I, I'm honestly really low on Fultz I, I think there's a tendency for people to really want a lottery pick particularly for a young up and coming team like Philadelphia and there's hope that he'll turn his game and he'll be this great player and yes he's very young he is going to be a role player throughout the rest of his NBA career. He's never going to be a superstar. And I think Philadelphia acknowledges that because they went all in on acquiring Jimmy Butler. They've got three stars already. All they need is for Markel to go in there, provide some length at the ball handler position, provide some defense, uh, make the occasional play at the rim. And that's about it. There's no expectations for him to be a superstar. He'll never reach that point in Philadelphia, and he probably won't reach that anywhere else. So from Miami's perspective, why invest in trying to acquire somebody like that? I, I know you're probably going to have the exact opposite opinion. <laughs> I just, look, I, I'm tired of potential being the the, the, the 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 light at the end of a dark tunnel for everybody. I, you know, yeah. that's ridiculous. Look, I just, I'm actually on the same page with you. When whoa, it comes to whoa and, you breaking know, news. I, awesome. <laughs> And you remember when we talked about Markel Fultz coming out of out of Washington? I loved Markel Fultz. I was yeah. making James Harden comparisons. Um, I think I even made like LeBron James comparisons at some point, but um, I didn't compare him to LeBron James. I just said there's shades of LeBron in his game. <laughs> yeah. I remember this. Take it back like, now. I didn't say when he's can. the next LeBron. I just—it's not what I said. Um, but and I stand by those things. Something weird happened that first year in Philadelphia, and everybody knows it, and nobody knows exactly what happened. But something weird happened. He is not the guy that he was. His his that one year at Washington. He's, he's not the same person. He's broken. Uh, and and, and between the trainer and between his family yeah. and between potential injuries still lingering there, I think he's just never going to be uh, reaching his potential. I, I would like to see him in a different setting. I do. I, I think that maybe a change of scenery can help him because right now the scenery that he's in right now isn't working. And look, Toxic I think he's crap. made strides in, in Philadelphia, but Jim Butler's not going to help his situation. Now, do we think uh, that the Heat are capable of really... No, no, no. I do, don't, not, not Miami because Miami has too many expectations even for Markel Fultz. Just trying to make the playoffs is too much. Send Markel Fultz to the Phoenix Suns. Send him Ooh. to you know a team like that. Just like a team you that know, knows I, I like it's going to be bad. Just a team that knows it's going to be bad for a while. That's basically not. I don't want him in Phoenix because Phoenix has its own front office issues. Like if Markel's really going to succeed, trying to find like a stable franchise that right now is just in the tank, I think would work. And you know Atlanta. I don't know. Just somewhere that like. Yeah, Trey Young's going to take too much of the ball. You're right. I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out, but like. A team like that, where no, he can play, just see, go like out there Phoenix, and they're not, he can not play off worry Devin about Booker, you know? Yeah. Booker's taking shots, Markel is creating them for him. I think that helps. Just a team somewhere where he doesn't have to really worry about winning because it's not an expectation. Good point. Like, 
that's it. Like, don't worry. Just let him figure... Like, just let him get through whatever it is that he's getting through or give him the chance to at least do that. And that's where I think he should go. I want Markello to work. I don't think he'd work in Miami. Um, as strong as that culture is, there's just too many expectations. And if fans are already losing their patience with Justice Winslow, I don't want to see what, how they would react to Markel Fultz. The idea I like, go find a, a young player who has untapped potential that might not be working out in a certain situation. Go get one of those guys, especially if they're on the cheap. But Markel's not the answer there. Uh, that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening and subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or whatever you use to listen. As always, you can reach us by sending an email to LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or on Twitter by using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Music is courtesy of Mojave Wild. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining me, David. Don't forget to send Wes that jersey, folks.